Let's be real. We got a bunch of great topics today, but we're going to start in the MLB and the top five teams with the most pressure. All right, the main topic for the day, the top five MLB teams with the most pressure heading into the 2023 season. I've been waiting for this. Let's hear it. Coming in at number five, the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, the Phillies before last season had a 10-year postseason drought. They were doing absolutely terrible. Last year, they made it all the way to the World Series. Ended up losing to the Houston Astros, but it was a very promising season for them. Really got fans hyped around the Phillies again, which the Philadelphia fan base is already huge. (laughs) But it finally brought life back into that fan base with some passion and reason for it. Harper is out for an unknown amount of time with injuries, so that's going to cause some issues in their organization. But with just Harper being down, they still have a solid team built around them. And I think they have a lot of pressure based on their fan base, based on last year's performance, that they need to step up and at least make a deep postseason run to call it a successful season. Yeah, I definitely think they need to prove that they're not just a one-and-done team, especially with them being up 2-1 in the last year's World Series and having two games at home after going up 2-1 and they couldn't finish it off. That is absolutely going to lead the organization and the fan base to know that they have more in the tank, and that's what they need to prove this year. All right, before I get to number four, I'm going to throw in a quick honorable mention. I think that the New York Yankees, while not making my top five list, have a lot of pressure on them this season. They continually win the AL East. At least at a minimum, they're going to get the wild card. They haven't missed the playoffs since 2016 but they still have not had a championship since 2009. They continually, year after year, spend big bucks to get big, high-priced talent, and they can't finish the deal in the postseason. For the last 30 years straight, the Yankees have posted a winning record. They are continually one of the best teams in baseball, yet they aren't bringing home the championships to back that up. Since 1995, the Yankees have only missed the postseason four times. That is an insane amount of winning seasons that lead to postseason appearances. The fact that they continue to do this year after year for the last bunch of years is why I don't have them in my top five list of feeling the pressure to win. They're starting to accept that making the postseason counts as a winning season, and they need to shift that mentality to be championship contenders. Yeah, I think... Maybe not this year, but I think soon they will end up in the top five just purely based off of it's been such a long drought for the Yankees. Now, for other teams, what they've done over the past 20 years is great. For the Yankees, it's terrible that they haven't gotten a championship in this span, especially with how good of teams they should be having and how much money they're spending on their teams. I also think that the Yankees will have to switch their mentality on how they're building their teams. I don't think they're building the team properly to compete for championships. Yeah, a lot too much of a focus of bombers versus building an overall good team with a high-quality pitching staff. It seems like a lot of pitchers that they do go out to get immediately have a downfall once they join the Yankees, and that can be seen time and time again, but most recently with Garrett Cole. All right, on to the fourth spot. I have the Angels coming in at number four. Now, the Angels have also been a team a lot like the Yankees where they have not been performing well. The issue is they just have not built solid teams. They have, especially this year, and for the past bunch of years for that matter, they have Mike Trout, 
time and time again, the best player or second best player in all of baseball. They have Otani, the best player in baseball right now, according to MLB. With the last postseason appearance from them coming in 2014, even with the best players in baseball, they cannot make the postseason. Even though they're paying Mike Trout an absurd amount of money, they still cannot do it. They need to focus on winning this year or in the years to come. Otherwise, they're going to risk losing Otani, first of all. And second of all, they're just going to completely lose their fan base. They are projected to be negative by over 10 games this season, even though they have the two best players in baseball. It is absolutely ridiculous, and they need to step up big time this year. Mike Trout is one of my favorite players in baseball, and his career has to be one of the most disappointing in the history of the MLB. The team has not done anything for his entire career, and basically since he was a rookie, he was one of the top three players in the MLB. It is absolutely insane how bad they are. No, I mean, I completely agree that Mike Trout, while being one of the best baseball players of all time, has had a very lackluster career just based on lack of playoff experience, lack of playoff performance, and no championships. But that's due to the Angels, unfortunately, and not due to him. Hanging in L.A., we're going to throw in another honorable mention. We got the Los Angeles Dodgers. This year, they reset their books and to free up some money. Don't have the best team that they had previous years, so that's why they're not going to make my top five list. However, with great playoff experience, the pressure is on them this season to land a good player. I know they have their eye on Otani. They have the cap space available now, staying below the luxury tax line. It is very important that they make sure this reset results in future championships. So I think the pressure is on the organization to pick up talent. Yeah, the Dodgers are one of those teams like the Yankees that are underperforming what they're expected to be doing. I mean, they've had probably the best team in baseball for the last five years, and they only have one championship to show for it. And most of the time, they don't even make it to the World Series. So again, they're having a down year, so they're not in the top five, but they do need to show that they're making improvements. And now coming in at number three, the Baltimore Orioles. This might shock a lot of people putting them on my list, but here's why. Even though they're projected third or fourth this year in their division, it's very important this year for them to show themselves, fans, the players on the team, that the team is moving in a positive direction. They've barely squeaked out over 500 last year, and that was still an improvement for them. That was their best season since 2016, where they were also just over 500. They have tons of young talent, and this is literally what they were building for. It is time to show that they have promise for the future and what the team was building for for all of these last handful of years that it's finally going to pay off in the near future. Yep, I agree with putting them in the top five. I don't think that they're going to be competing for a World Series, but they do have to show that they're taking a step in the right direction, and that's why there's pressure on them. Yeah, by no means is this saying that they're going to win a championship or even make the postseason. I would love to see them at least competing early on for a wild card spot and hold that pressure throughout the year so that the team can start to get experience of almost what playoff baseball looks like, where games actually matter late in the season. And that's going to be really important for winning championships later in the future. Coming in at number two, your New York Mets. Mets, Mets, Mets. All right, the New York Mets 
are actually, according to sports booking, the favorites to win the World Series at plus 750. They are in a tough division in the NL East because they have to deal with the Braves and the Phillies, which we already talked about the Phillies. The Braves lately have been making playoff pushes and have a very quality baseball team, and that's what mucks up this division quite a lot. It becomes a very talented division. They spend a ton of money this offseason and are really trying to make a push towards the World Series. They got the wild card last year, ended up losing to the Padres, so it's very important that they show that these pieces that they got are actually going to pay off. Yeah, they have one of the best one-two punches with their starting pitchers of Scherzer and Verlander. And I also think that the newer owner that they have, who likes to be out in the public, is going to put a lot more pressure on the team to succeed than the others in the MLB. And number one for the most pressure on any MLB team to perform this season is the San Diego Padres. They are right behind the Mets in betting odds in Vegas for winning the World Series this year. Last year, they tore through the Mets, also tore through the Dodgers in the postseason, ended up losing to the Phillies in the NLCS, but they added bogey in this offseason. They have built a phenomenal team with young, talented athletes. It is very important this year that they advance on their position last year and at least make it to the World Series, if not win the championship. On top of bogey, you got Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, and Manny Machado. With that group of four, they 100% should at least make the World Series. And that's not all. They have a talented team built around those people, including a talented pitching staff. It'll be really interesting to see if they can perform up to their expectations this year. All right, that's a great list. Now let's get on to a team with a lot of pressure in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics and this iteration of the team has had the same thing plaguing them since 2018. When the games matter the most, they fall apart and go back to the style of play that does not work. Do you remember Jason Tatum's rookie year where they had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and Gordon Hayward went out in the first game against the Cavs and then Kyrie went out midway through the year, but the team held it together. They played so well in the playoffs and they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and almost beat LeBron out to make it to the finals. That was an amazing year. They played great that year. The issue is, that's the last time they have played great. The next year, the team stopped playing like a team. And who did they blame? Kyrie Irving. Okay, if you want to blame Kyrie Irving, fine. You guys did well without him last year. Okay, so whatever, people can think that. But you're going to see a trend as we go forward. So that year was Kyrie Irving's fault. All right, let's get rid of Kyrie Irving and bring in Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is a much better locker room guy, they say. Well, guess what? The style of play continues. In the playoffs, it does not work. They have issues for years and years until they get rid of Kemba Walker because they said Kemba Walker was the issue. So now that Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker are gone, Who are they going to blame but themselves? So this is my exact issue with Tatum and why I don't think he's a good number one guy on a team. When games matter the most, his play starts to drop. And it happens with all of the Celtics. Well, except for Al Horford. Man, come on. I love Al Horford, but we got to be a little more realistic with the expectations with him here. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Put some respect on this man's name. He is the best three-point shooting percentage from a big man with at least 50 shots across the same amount of time on a Tuesday when it's raining in the spring. Put some respect on that. He just claimed that title. All right, let's just move on. <laughs> Listen, Tatum is not good in pressure situations. Let me run back to the 2022 playoffs. So across the whole playoffs last year, Tatum averaged 30 points. Now, that sounds terrific, and that's not my beef, is that he can't be a scorer. The issue that I'm bringing to attention is that he cannot score well in clutch situations, and as a postseason run goes deep, his play starts to diminish. So let me take you to the first series. First series in 2022 against the Brooklyn Nets. Not a lot of pressure on this series at all. They ended up wiping the floor with them, and he had a phenomenal series. I mean, he was 31 points, 19, 39, 29. That's a great series for him. I mean, the 19's a little rough, but again, you wipe the floor with the Nets. You don't have to have amazing games every game. When a 19-point game across a four-game series is your bad one, I'm perfectly fine with that. So let's bring you to the Series 2 against the Bucks. Now, remember... The Bucks lost Chris Middleton. So they weren't at full strength for the entire series. All right, Tatum rattles off first game, 21, then 29, 10, 30, 34, 46, 23. What do you notice most about that series? So first of all, the 46 game is good. Don't get me wrong. But what is with the 10-point game in game three? Yeah, the 10-point game is not good. Throw in the 21-point game, the 23-point game especially when they matter the most, and now you're starting to arise with issues. And that's why you ended up going to a Game 7 when you shouldn't have even gotten to that point. So now against the Heat, Series 3, Tatum puts up 29, 27, 10 again, 31, 22, 30, and 26. Now notice that only one game was over his 30 scoring average, and it was by one point. Yep, as you see, his points per game are going down as we get later into the playoffs. And you also have to remember, the Heat were another team with tons of injuries. They weren't fully healthy going into this series. So literally, again, they have to get to a Game 7 against a team that is not fully healthy. So now that brings us to the finals, where Tatum puts up 12, 28, 26, 23, 27, 13, none of which reached his 30-point scoring average, which taints that number completely because when time matters the most, he is not the guy that you want on your team. Exactly. And maybe he could be a number two, but he cannot be a number one on a championship contending team. And that is why this iteration of the Celtics will never win. I don't think they'll get to the finals if the teams they're going up against in the Eastern Conference playoffs are healthy. I agree. I think he would make an absolutely great two on the team, but he cannot be the number one guy that you're reliant on scoring and that you're reliant on game in and game out when it's game seven of the NBA finals that you're going to give the ball to and expect him to put up 30 plus 40 plus points. But the issue with him being a number two, he doesn't have the mentality to be a number two. And that is why you can see the team blaming somebody else and getting them off the team. He definitely has the Kobe mentality of, Give me the ball. I want the ball in clutch situations. I want the ball throughout the whole game. The issue is he's not as good as Kobe. He is not Kobe. He might take the same shots as Kobe, but that doesn't make him Kobe. 
And if you ever watch a Celtics game and he's struggling, he is the first guy to immediately start jogging up and down the court, stop playing hard defense. And the same thing goes that if he's not getting the ball and is not the number one shooter and scorer, he will play the same exact way. And since he's the leader of the team, you also see this in almost every other one of the Boston Celtics players, except for Al Horford and Marcus Smart. And it comes back around to the Al Horford praise train. Let's go! So at the end of the day, the Celtics are probably going to end the season with the biggest blown lead of the year to the Brooklyn Nets, a team that blew up their team midway through the season. They've also already lost the number one seed to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as they continue imploding, they're not going to make it to the NBA Finals like everyone expected them to at the beginning of the year. All right, guys, that's it for today. Remember to like and subscribe, comment down below. Until next time, guys, keep it real.